Do you not know what you're missing on television tonight? Um, I mean, what are you doing here? Uh, I mean, um, uh, Donald Trump is going to tell us so many more things that he's wonderful at. Um, <clears throat> but I promise you, you'll get to hear it again and again and again. Um, so um, you're not going to miss it. You just uh, might have to see the repeat because it'll be, it'll be showed you. I gave Bob 10 bucks before, uh, uh, <laughs> and the script. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, go with me back over to Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to do something tonight that I hope I won't regret, um, but um, what I want to do is I want to cover verses 24 and 25, and I want to do that fairly rapidly because I want to I take you um, to one of the consequences of what I see here, or what at least how it struck me, and, and, and hopefully it'll be profitable for you. But let me just read verses 24 and 25. I mean, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, guys, I introduced you to the, uh, the whole concept of a tutor last week. Uh, we talked about it. I mean, I, 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 we didn't look at the whole of verse 24. But the idea of tutor came up, that there was a, um, that there's a schoolmaster. And he likens the law to a schoolmaster. Um, um, and this, um, this, the role of the law is, a, is an indispensable role of, um, of tutoring us and, and leading us to the place where we're uh, ultimately set free with, and become sons. But um, that relationship with the tutor... Ceases when the child becomes an adult. Um, when he becomes, when he when he is in that full position as a son, the tutor no longer has any um, um, authority over him. Now, um, and then verse twenty five. But after faith has come, that is after uh, I have embrace this gospel we are no longer under tutor the the law does not um have the same function that it did in the past and that is pointing out our transgressions and ultimately leading us to uh, to see our need for christ now that's about all i want to say on the text <laughs> but here's what i'd like for you to take a look at with me tonight L- look at verse 24 therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. I didn't ask Jimmy Umloff to pause his song and say, you know what that is? That's justification. I didn't, I didn't tell him that. Maybe he read the text. I don't know. But guys, look, look at that. Look at verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. (laughs) You know what that is? That's justification by faith. That's the great uh, reformational principle called sola fides, faith alone. 
Do you see it? Here's my question. How could you miss it? How could anyone devise another gospel that would do anything other than say we are justified by faith? Period. No baptism, no doing penance, no um, no additions, no just I am the law. Is a, is functioning as a tutor so that we might be justified by faith. Justification by faith. That, ladies and gentlemen, is as clear as the nose on one's face, is it not? I mean, just in terms of the of the words, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words, do you see very simply, very clearly, very plainly taught? We are justified by faith. When I read that, I simply had to ask, how do you miss it? How does anybody miss that? And yet, ladies and gentlemen, it is not only missed, it is opposed. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is, how do you miss it? There's really two answers to that, that question. How does one miss justification by faith there? How does, how does one miss it? Well, the, the um, kind of the human answer the, at one level, the reason that it is missed is because the law did not do its job. The law did not uh, function uh, as a tutor, thus causing me to see that I'm only justified by faith. Um, So, um, when I heard the law preached, if I did ever, I turned it into something that made for me 10 steps as to how I was to please God and thus be permitted and allowed to enter heaven. To do that, ladies and gentlemen, is to miss justification by faith because the law has been mishandled. It's been miss... I mean, its intent has been missed. So what I want to do is illustrate for you um, a couple of three times how the law gets missed. So stick your finger in Exodus 20, which is where the law is found. And then I want you to, um, well, find that first. Go to Exodus 20 first. That's where the Ten Commandments are found, Exodus chapter 20. All right? You got that? Now, um, if you can do this, uh, this is going to require some multitasking, and some of you will find that very difficult. Um, I I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. 
Okay, there's the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Um, let's start with... Um, let's start at Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not commit murder. Now, there's not a person in this room that does not understand what murder is. The law forbids the forcible taking of one's life, of someone else's life, or even your own. If If when you read that, you then come to the conclusion that you have obeyed that, You're still blind. Keep your finger in Exodus 20 and go over to Matthew 5. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit murder, or you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, That whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of of hellfire. Okay, guys. I don't think this is new to you. Exodus chapter 20 says, thou shall not commit, you shall not, you shall not, thou shall not murder. You come to the, the, the New Testament and Jesus says, Listen, I know those Pharisees taught you to this. You shall not kill or you shall not murder. But I say unto you that if you lose your temper and you in anger call somebody uh, your children or the person in the car in, uh, in the lane next to you, if you roll down your window, if you punch the button... To bring down your window, and you holler, you idiot! You have violated the commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, that says, Thou shalt not commit murder. Okay, let's look at the next one, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. And you say, haven't done that. Really? Okay, go back over to Matthew 15 for a second. This is what everybody seems to know. Where Jesus says, um, verse 27. You uh, have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with with her in his heart. But by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's not just aimed at men. You know that movie that came out about four months ago about those those five guys that did all that strip I don't even know the name of the movie. You you women know the name of that movie, don't you? (laughs) <clears throat> and every time you saw some woman there, oh, I got to go see that movie, you know, with those guys with those G-strings on or whatever they had. <clears throat> so you read Exodus chapter 20 and you say, well, I never committed adultery. But did you go to the movie?
Did you come over here and look upon a woman and then take one more step? Okay. Um, Go back to Exodus 20. You shall not steal. Oh, you know, yeah. you know, I hear your point about the first two, but you know, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've never, I, I don't steal. I, no, 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 not, not me. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a thief. <clears throat> I would ask you to take a look if you can find this at another time in Malachi chapter three, where it says, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me." But you say, in what way have we robbed you? You know what it says. In tithes and offerings. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just put it um, uh, in cold, bare statistical terms. Do you know what the statistics are about people tithing to their church? Somewhere between 3 or 4%. That means that 96% of you are thieves. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what we have in this room tonight? We have a collection of murderers, adulterers, And thieves. You feel comfortable? You want to hold on to your wallet and your purse? Ladies and gentlemen, the reason that you can come to a statement like Galatians chapter 3 that says the law acts as a tutor so that you be justified and miss it humanly speaking, is because the law has never done its work. Guys, if you ask a non-Christian, if you say, um, um, are you a good person? We're asking a non-Christian. Are you a good person? They would say um, something like this. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I've uh, you know, I've I've done a couple of bad things in my life before. You know, I've done a but you know, but basically, you know, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, but basically, I'm a good person. You know how they say that, don't you? Well, I'm going to get to the second reason in just a minute. But the first reason, humanly speaking, is that the law has never been understood. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you remember? Don't you remember becoming a Christian and realizing that your sin wasn't this? It was this. That's how you miss it. That's how you get all this ridiculous banter about 
do-goodism and moral reform and, and paying penance and doing Hail Marys and, and on and on getting baptized. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you've never seen yourself under the scope of the law as it describes you as an adulterer, a murderer, and a thief. And very frankly, that's just the beginning. You know, most of us, guys, particularly in the non-Christian world, they define sin as breaking the rules. God's got some rules, and if I break them, I'm a sinner. Well, that is true. But then I became a Christian. And sin was no longer simply breaking the rules. Sin was something that affected me at the base of my soul. I've done some good things. I've done some good things for God. And you know why I did them? To promote myself. I begin to see it. I begin to see myself and my motives in a way that I've never seen before. I can't read the law without being slain. And I don't, um, I don't have this foolish notion that I'm a good person. I'll tell you what you are. I'll tell you what we are. We're a bunch of thieves. We're a bunch of murderers. I got to tell you, um, just as a confession of sin... <clears throat> Um, I lost it last Friday. My wife was out of town. I, I always blame it on her being gone because then I, I lose all sense of civility um, and, and, and civilization. Uh, but we were paving this parking lot, you know. And Brent, how much did that cost the church? <laughs> it, was, it was lots of money. $200,000, $300,000, whatever it was, lots of money. And the, the pavers were out here just paving their little, you know, just going to town, just paving, you know. And, and, they, and they, put up, they put up these orange cones at the entrances um, on Friday, put up the orange cones because they were paving out there. Uh, the staff at Grace Van had been, had been inconvenienced all week long. We had had to park over there, get out of their way and park over there. And so the, the paving people put up orange cones in the, in the entrances of the, of the parking lot. And I came back from a, 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 a lunch appointment, and the people who were picking up their children from Houston High School had moved the cones. And they were driving all over the $300,000 pavement. I absolutely lost my head. <laughs> it was not pretty, Missy. <laughs> and, um, but I, all I'm telling you is that Jesus defines that in the category of murder. We're a bunch of thieves and murderers and adulterers. And only people who know the gospel can admit that. And don't mind admitting it. Not proud of it. Now guys, 
That's the human explanation. How can you miss justification by faith said in seven words in Galatians 3.24? How do you miss that? Well, first of all, the law has not done its work. But the other piece of explanation is is that spiritual sight is a gift of sovereign grace. Why do you see it? Because God gave you eyes to see and ears to hear. Guys, when, when the Bible talks about blindness, when Jesus heals physically blind eyes, he does indeed heal the physical blind eyes. But the message is supposed to be beyond the fact that he's a miracle worker. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, he raises Lazarus from the dead, but the message is supposed to be something beyond the fact that Lazarus got another few extra years of life. The point of giving sight to blind eyes is that all of us are naturally, spiritually blind. They will look at Galatians 3.24. The tutor justified by faith. And miss it. Spiritually, we have this impaired ability to recognize the truth. We are insensitive to all sorts of spiritual realities in, in, as, a blind, in, in, as a blind man. And not only that, I don't even like them. And then God opens my eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, becoming a Christian is not like turning over a new leaf. It's like entering in to an entirely new reality. Where I read things that I've read dozens of times and I discover that I miss them every time. I'm going to tell you a story about that when we close. The, the reason that the simple gospel of grace is missed because people are spiritually blind. Spiritual sight is a gift. The, the idea that, that something happens in my life and I need to be a better person. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did not die on a cross to make us nicer people. He died on a cross to make a provision so that we could enter into an entirely new spiritual reality. We're blind. And when we get sight, sin goes from this to this.
You know, Jesus was confronted with a group that was talking about this very subject about blindness and seeing and all that business. And he answers them in a way that is just so intriguing. And I, and I, 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 it's in John, and somebody can find it real quick, but this is not in my notes. I'm just, um, and, um, and, and, and they say to Jesus, are, are you saying that uh, we're blind too? And Jesus' response is something like this. If you said that you were blind, that would mean that you see. But because you say you see, that means you're still blind. You see, ladies and gentlemen, one of the evidence of spiritual blindness is people saying, I see it. One of the evidences of spiritual sightedness is that we recognize that we've been granted a gift. And the reason that the law has done its work in us, leading us as a tutor to justification by faith, is that God gave us spiritual sight. Guys, Do you want to know one of the characteristics of those who are spiritually sighted? You know what I mean by sighted? S-I-G-H-T-E-D. They got spiritual sight. You know what one of the the characteristics of them are? Is that they simply cannot get enough of the doctrine of justification by faith. They can't hear it enough. They're never quite... they, They can't get over the idea... That God would save somebody as rotten as I am like that. Like that. And the reason that I know that I'm rotten is because the word, the law did its work. The Spirit of God accompanied the, the, the opened my eyes and accompanied the law down to the base of my soul so that I could see just how. Bad I am. Let me tell you a story now. I'll quit. Kind of quit. (laughs) One of the guys that, when I was in seminary, um, this guy would come and he would, we had chapel four days a week, uh, Tuesday through Friday. We all, many, most of us worked on, on, um, on the weekends. Susie and I did. We worked every weekend. And um, we would drive home on Mondays, and um, we'd start classes that afternoon. But we didn't have chapel until Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I mean, one of the speakers that came from time to time was the guy that, I mean, when, when he came, everybody went to chapel. Um, I mean, a lot of guys would skip chapel, but, um, but um, when this guy spoke, his name was Frank Barker. I don't know whether you know the name Frank Barker, but he, was the, uh, he, he um, planted Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Frank was... Um, was a, <laughs> this is not, I mean, if I, I think I would say this to Frank's face, but um, Frank was a mousy little guy that every time he got behind a pulpit, he roared. Um, he was a good guy. Um, it was in the Navy, and I can still remember the, one of the stories he told about landing signal officers who he landed uh, jets on carriers and all that business. But, but, but anyway, Frank tells this story 
about, um, Frank was raised in a church. Um, he um, uh, raised in a good church. And um, he, he got in the Navy, I think it was. It was one of the branches, but it was either Air Force or Navy. Maybe it could have been the Marines. But what Marine knows how to fly an airplane? Um, that's just a joke, Harry. <coughs> um, but um, um, he got in the Navy and, and became a Christian in the Navy. A, um, a chaplain led him to, to, to faith. And so the chaplain continued to try and um, um, disciple Frank um, while they were together. And, and so in, in one of the occasions in a conversation with the, with the chaplain... Frank says to the chaplain, you know, this is unbelievable, this doctrine, this, this gospel of the gift of salvation through faith in Christ. And um, he said, what I can't understand is how Martin Luther didn't talk more about the gospel. Um, and the chaplain said, um, well, now, Frank... Um, why would you say that? Why, why, why would you say that about uh, Martin Luther? He said, well, I took a course in college on Martin Luther. And not only that, I, um, <clears throat> I read his commentary on the book of Galatians. And he said, uh, the chaplain said to Frank, he said, Frank, um, I, why don't you go back and read that commentary again. So Frank got his commentary on Galatians by Luther. And he said, there it was on every page. The difference was. He had been granted sight. And now he could see it. Can you imagine? Guys, that's the commentary that I base so many of my remarks on. Can you imagine reading Martin Luther and missing the gospel in Martin Luther on Galatians? Yeah, I can imagine it. Because people are blind. They're blind, ladies and gentlemen. And once you get your sight, you just can't get enough of this doctrine that's so beautiful, so rich, so plenteous, so free, so liberating. The doctrine of justification by faith. Found right there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. <clears throat> okay. Two other quick things and I'll, I'll quit. Okay, then. If I'm here and... God forbid I'm blind. What can I do? How does that change? Well, let me say this. There's a couple of things that I would, I would advocate. Actually, it's not that I would advocate them. I would just point them out to you. Um, 
one of the things that God does in the process of taking us from blindness to sight usually involves pain. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we, we live under this delusion of self-sufficiency. And about the only thing that will blow it away from us is trial, is pain, it's a divorce, it's cancer, it's child sickness, it's losing a job, it's something that will finally convince us that we are not self-sufficient, that we need a Savior. The other thing I would say is, Paul in Ephesians 3 talks about... um, that, that, that God would enlighten their eyes to, um, uh, I, I might have this confused, but to the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God. Prayer. If you think you haven't seen, then for heaven's sake, start praying. Start praying that God in his grace would grant you eyes so that you wouldn't miss simple, clear, precise, concise statements of the gospel, which is justification by faith alone, right there in Galatians 3.24. One more thing and then I'll quit. One of the things that troubles me and that I think about, not all the time, but I think about, Frequently, weekly, let's say. Is that we have, we have junior high students and we have senior high students that are sitting out there and they are hearing the gospel preached week after week after week and they are not hearing it. And they're raised in an environment that is gospel-rich. They're sitting under my preaching. And they hear nothing. I can't change that. It is only a God of sovereign grace, ladies and gentlemen, that will ever open any of our eyes to see the beauties of the gospel simply contained and framed in a doctrine called sola fides, justification by faith. So if you want to contribute to the, um, to the conversion of young and old alike, then you will beg him. You will beg him that he does it. Because until he does, they'll read Galatians 3.24 and see nothing. That's what it means to be blind. We are impaired in our ability to see spiritual truth until 
God grants us eyes to see and ears to hear. Our Father, um, what, a, um, what a marvelous thing that you have done for us. We glory in this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And we glory in it because you intervened in the midst of our blindness and granted us eyes to see. Would you do it again, Lord, for others? Would you do it all over this church? Would you do it in the senior high ministry and in the junior high ministry? Would you do it in the, in the young couples class? Would you do it in, in Bloodworth? Would you do it in, in uh, the class that Jonathan Todd teaches and John Otley and Randy Karstens? And would you do it in the sanctuary? Would you do it all over this place, Father? Would you, um, would you not allow people who sit in this gospel-rich environment to miss the beauty of the gospel. Do that, Father, not because we deserve it, but because you are rich in mercy and grace. We make our prayer, of course, in the name of King Jesus. Amen.